Good morning and welcome back to the Listen to Loeb podcast, the podcast hosted by me, Max, or Loeb's Lead, depending on how you know me. Today we have a lot to unpack. The last like 48 hours of football have just been absolutely insane. We're going to start by talking about Thanksgiving games, brief recap of each of those. Then we're going to talk about college football, mainly the two big games yesterday, and then we're going to give my picks for the upcoming game Sunday. So let's start with this Bears-Lions game. Let me tell you, the... Lack of situational awareness in this game is like, it's unbelievable. Dan Campbell shouldn't have a job. At least a head coaching job. I really don't think he should. The use of timeouts, clock management, like, it is just beyond me that not just Dan Campbell, NFL coaches, like I've seen Joe Judge do it a couple times, are just so, they just don't know the situations in the game, when to use timeouts, when, like, it, it's beyond me. You figure they ha- they should at least have meetings once a week to discuss this situational stuff. And, and maybe they do, and they just don't perform on, on game day. I don't know what it is. It's, it's unbelievable to me. I don't want to talk about that, just that, in terms of that game, even though that game was horrible. I want to bring up Darnell Mooney. Darnell Mooney is slowly blossoming. Uh, into a good NFL receiver. I think he has taken Allen Robinson's spot as that number one receiver. I don't really think that's much of a debate anymore. Um, But I I think when Robinson's healthy, it's only going to benefit Mooney, to be honest with you. It's going to take a little bit of attention away because I think teams, though they may see it when they're game planning, that Mooney's kind of that guy now. I don't don't necessarily think that people are going to give Mooney the full respect that he deserves. And, you know, he's going to continue to ball. Um, we'll talk about the Raider or the Bills Saints game quick. The Saints have no offensive firepower, mainly because of injuries, but they have no offensive firepower. Um, a few weeks ago, we considered this team like a low end wild card team, especially after they beat the Bucks. Like they were showing us some stuff. We're like, wow, like maybe this team can compete. Nope, not in the slightest. At least not with all these injuries. Uh, and on the other end, the Bills is like vice versa. We're like, oh, the Bills are like. They're 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 uh they're flaming out like they're not the team they once were. And granted, the Saints had were missing like fourteen or something starters this game, but Josh Allen looked pretty good. That Bills offense looked pretty good. I think they have to continue to try to run the ball in order to be a really functional offense. But that Bills offense looked pretty good against a, a decent Saints defense, especially a decent um, front seven for the Saints. Probably the strength of their defense, in my opinion. Um, and the Bills undermanned offensive line. They did a decent job. They did a decent job. Not a great job. They did a decent job. Good enough for them to score 31 points and win this game. Uh, with all that being said, prayers up to Tredavious White, who tore his ACL on a great play, to be honest with you. Um, early, I think it was in the first half of that game. He's done for the year, and the number two corner spot has always has been a problem for the Bills um, moving forward. I, I think... Levi Wallace moving to that number one. They're gonna need they're gonna need him him to play better, or they're gonna have to find an answer elsewhere because they they I'm not gonna sugarcoat it. They are screwed at, at the corner position. They're lucky they have very very good safeties behind them because they are screwed at the corner position right now. Absolutely screwed. Let's talk about this Raiders Cowboys game real quick. There's a lot to unpack here. I made a video yesterday explaining why why I thought at least the Raiders' offense was so effective, and it was the usage of Deshaun Jackson, whether he was getting the ball or not getting the ball. Um, 
Deshaun Jackson had an excellent, excellent game. Um, and like I tweeted yesterday, and I may have mentioned it in the video, Trayvon Diggs, really good player, but this Cowboys secondary is horrible. They're undisciplined. They're a little bit lazy. They are not a good unit. And I, I think if teams are to look at this, what the Raiders did to them through the air um, this past Thursday, they're going to find notes for a game plan, and they're they're going to have no problem moving the ball on the Cowboys. I, I, don't think, I don't think teams are going to have problems passing the ball on the Cowboys anymore. Go away from Trayvon Diggs, and you'll be fine. They have very few pieces elsewhere, at least from what I saw on Thursday. Very few pieces elsewhere. And even Diggs, like, we know Diggs makes plays on the ball, but he allows yards. Like, Diggs is not this complete lockdown corner. At least not yet. I think he has the potential to be. He's a really good player. Um, but I was very impressed with the Raiders. I'd be remiss if I didn't mention the flags. 14-14 each way. I understand there were crucial calls on both sides. To say the Cowboys got robbed is not a fair statement, especially that last pass interference. Textbook pass interference. Like, textbook pass interference, totally pass interference. The only one I do really have a problem with is Ben. I would be even more upset if I was a Cowboys fan is that Micah Parsons roughing the passer. Like, I don't know what he's supposed to do in that situation. We know roughing the passer has been called super, super tight on literally every game. I just don't know what else he's supposed to do in that position, but did not decide the game. I'm a firm believer in 99% of the time, penalties not deciding a game, um, or no calls not deciding a game. I don't really think that was the case there. Now, let's move on to the two big college games yesterday. We're going to start... On Michigan and Ohio State, my pick was Ohio State and Ohio State minus seven. Obviously, those both did not hit. My reasoning for that was that the Ohio State offense is going to have no problems moving the ball on a very good Michigan defense. I looked, the Michigan's defense was like eighth in the country before the game. And honestly, they didn't. They played a solid game offensively, a solid game. Not perfect, not perfect by any means, um, but I figured... Ohio State would do enough defensively to to keep them in the game and win them the game. And without sugarcoating it, Michigan literally just took their lunch. Like, they ran the ball, did not stop. The rush yards in this game, Ohio State had 64. Granted, Ohio State is not, like, this big run team. They're an offense that's designed to pass. 64 to almost 300. For Michigan. Almost 300 yards on the ground. You're not, I don't care who you are, how good your offense is, you're not going to win games doing that. There's no way. Absolutely no way. Michigan's defensive line, incredibly impressive yesterday as well. Uh, that was a Hutchinson guy. I had never, that is a fault of my own, I had never heard of him before this game. And let me tell you, he he could play, man. There's a there's a clip of him that I'm going to tweet out later today of him along the left side of the offensive line, kind of walked up a little bit, not in any stance, and he just lowers his shoulder into the tackle and he just falls straight back. This guy's going to be a good NFL player. I'd love to see the Giants get him. Um, but yeah, this is this is a game that uh, Michigan's offense impressed me, man, and like. You want to talk about teams that have a legit chance to win 
the college football playoff, you're going to go up against teams like Georgia. You're going to go up against teams like I don't even, I don't even to be honest with you, I don't even know. Like maybe Alabama, maybe Cincinnati. You keep those offenses off the field, although Georgia is mainly a defensive-centric team. You run, you be able to run the ball and keep the offense off the field. You're going to win those games, and if Michigan can get after the quarterback, they're going to like they, this is this is a legitimate contender, legitimate contender. I don't care what the past says about them not beating Ohio State. This is a legitimate contender. Now let's move on to the Alabama game, man. Like this is, I am an Alabama fan. If you don't know, I'm a huge Nick Saban guy. Have family ties. The state of Alabama. Watching this game yesterday was like an, a complete roller coaster. I don't know how many times I said from the second quarter to throughout dinner to the fourth quarter, there's a lot of football left. There's a lot of football left. You got to play 60 minutes, right? That's what Alabama did. And then some. First of all, I want to give a shout out to Darius McCreary, the corner for Auburn. Before I say anything about Alabama's win, you guys got to understand that Darius McCreary is a legitimate NFL cornerback. You see teams that like, or teams that have a lockdown, you see teams that have a lockdown corner, they don't get targeted much. That's like the sign of a lockdown corner. When you're covering play after play and you don't get targeted much, Darius McCreary got targeted a lot, and he had four pass breakups. In addition to his seven tackles, four pass breakups. That like that does not happen for a cornerback. It does not. This dude, and to be honest with you, he's not like looking at him covering. He covered Mechie the majority of the game because Jameson Williams was was out with targeting. He wasn't like glued to him. He was just kind of in his hip pocket the majority of the game. And when the ball was in the air, this dude just made plays. It, like I, I don't think I've ever seen anything like it from at a at the college level. Targeted play after play, whether he actually hit the ball or was in better position that Mechie couldn't make a catch. This dude just locked him down. Now, obviously, the last play of the game was on McCreary, and you know people are going to look at that. But Darius McCreary had an incredible game, and I want to give out give a shout out to him before I talk about anything else in this game, um, because there is a lot to talk about in this game. John Mechie, I'll start with him. Thirteen receptions for 150 yards. Stepping up, stepping up to the plate after your team's best receiver is ejected. Incredible for Mechie. I'm so happy for him. He's kind of, we see all this like long line of Alabama receivers. Everybody was saying, oh, Mechie's next, Mechie's next. And then obviously James Williams bursts onto the scene and Mechie's like not the guy anymore. It's got to be a little bit tough psychologically to be in that position. And for him to have a game like that and a rivalry game on the road, uh, it's got to be awesome for him. Very happy for him. Um, the other two big things I wanted to talk about were when Auburn was running out the clock at the end of the game, two minutes left, Alabama had, I believe, two timeouts, and all Auburn had to do was run it three times. Alabama would get the ball back with like 20 seconds left. On their second down, guy, the running back had a great nine-yard carry, but he went out of bounds. It stopped the clock. And then on third and short, Alabama stuffed them. They punted. Alabama got the ball back, scored, you know the rest. But, like, the lack of situational awareness there is, like, it's mind-boggling. And it's so much easier to say 
sitting on your couch than it is, you know, padded up, strapped up. Like, so much easier to say that. Say say it from the position I'm in now. But you just got to think. Like, you have to know you cannot go out of bounds. Cannot go out of bounds in that situation. I don't like saying, like, much like I just said, I don't like saying penalties decide a game. I don't like saying one play decides a game. But that was probably the most monumental play on the Auburn side of the ball. It, like, blows my mind. The last thing I want to talk about, Bryce Young. Statistically, not his best game. In the first half, and Nick Saban even alluded to this, was really not his fault. The right side of the offensive line, they've been battling injuries all year, was just getting beat play after play. Like, Young was getting hit every single play, getting sacked every drive. It was ridiculous. That was a huge reason Alabama couldn't move the ball. They made subs at halftime. They started changing their protection a little bit, and he had more time to throw, and he was starting to make plays. Leading a 98-yard drive with a minute or so left on the road in a rivalry game to tie the game, finishing off that with that touchdown pass, that's a Heisman moment, that is. And C.J. Stroud may have better numbers, C.J. Stroud may have had like a cleaner game this past weekend. But Bryce Young has his Heisman moment. And Bryce Young has a chance to beat the best team in the country next week. Now, if he completely falls apart against Georgia, maybe he's not going to win it. But right now, I think you got to give the award to Bryce Young. This dude, he like... The resolve he showed without his number one wide receiver getting hit play after play. Nick Saban talked about in his press conference the mental toughness that he had. Incredible. Huge win for Alabama. I was, I was incredibly impressed with what those guys did. Now let's move on to these rapid-fire NFL picks. I already made these picks on my Instagram. However, I do, or my twi- my TikTok, but I do want to change a thing or two here. Steelers-Bengals, I can't remember who I picked. Um... But I am going to go with the Steelers here. I do think I do think this is a game the Steelers win. Even with Watt back, I think having Minka Fitzpatrick back is going to help a ton. Um, I, th- I just think I-, I love what I saw from the Steelers' offense last week. I loved it. I think they win this game. Uh, Panthers-Dolphins, I'm going Panthers. Here's one of the ones I want to change. Giants-Eagles, I'm going Giants. Why? Because it makes absolutely no sense that they would win this game. Absolutely no sense. They're, what, three-and-a-half-point underdogs? I already took Giants three-and-a-half. Makes zero sense that they should win this game. I think they're going to. I think their offense is going to have a good game. Strictly because the Eagles, like, they haven't had a a, a pure uh, round of tape to study from because they don't know who the, what the Giants offense is going to look like. They, they don't know what the Giants offense is going to look like. I, just, I can only assume it's Freddie Kitchen calling plays. You got... You got a game against the Browns last year that the Browns dominated time of possession in to watch. That's it. Maybe if you want to look at the Browns tape when Kitchen, Kitchens was on the Browns. That's it. The, the Eagles defense, as good as they've been, they are going in blind right now. They're going in blind, and that is never good. Never good. Maybe the Giants don't win, they're going to cover. I, that's one of the picks I'm pretty confident in. The other pick I'm like extremely confident in, and I really hope this doesn't go back to bite me in the butt because I think this is like the lock of the year. Patriots minus six and a half at home against Tennessee. 
against Tennessee with no weapons, might I add. The Patriots are going to win this game, um, and I think they're going to do it in very, very convincing fashion. I mean, this is basically the, the Falcons game last week, except the Titans have a better defense, and the Patriots are at home. I think it's going to be a blowout. Falcons-Jaguars, this one's tough, but I'm going to go with Atlanta. I think Atlanta's going to start to piece together some things. Um, as, as much as I like Jacksonville and what they do offensively now, I just don't think that they're, they're good enough to beat the Falcons. I really don't. The Falcons are not this good team, but I don't think they are. Um, Buccaneers-Colts, I have the Bucks. Jets-Texans, this is also one of the tougher ones. Everything in my, in my head would tell me to take the Jets with the spread, um, and maybe I do later today. I don't know. Uh, but I think the Texans are going to win this game. I do. Tyrod Taylor's playing some good football. Chargers, Broncos, I have Chargers. Chargers are hitting their stride. Vikings, 49ers, I can't remember who I picked on TikTok for this one. I really can't. But I think 49ers are going to win this game. I really do. I think they're also starting to hit their stride, especially offensively. They're really starting to figure it out. I think Kyle Shanahan is seeing, or not seeing, he's just giving the ball to Brandon Ayuk more and is understanding how that benefits their offense in like in com- completely new ways. The, like you have Debo Samuel. I've talked about this a bunch. Debo Samuel, his motions, um, they mess with an offense so much. And especially because he's literally he's played snaps at running back. Him motioning into the backfield is like a is like a scary thing for defense to look at now. And it's just it just opens everything up for Kittle, for Ayuk, for everybody else in the offense. It's making Jimmy G look good. This this 49ers team is good, man. This is a good team. They're a wild card team because I don't think they're gonna catch the guys in front of them. But they're a division leading caliber team. I believe that firmly. Rams Packers again. I really can't remember who I picked for this one. This is a complete toss up, uh, but I'm going to lean Green Bay at home. They've just been playing so well. Browns Ravens. I have the Browns in this one. Kareem Hunt's back. Jack Conklin's back. This is a game where I think the Browns have the ball for over 35 minutes. They just run it down the Ravens throat time and time and time and time and time again, and they win the It just makes makes too much sense to me. Browns respond to adversity really, really well. They really, really do. I think this is going to be it. And Monday night, Seahawks-Washington. I have Seattle in this one, believe it or not. I think Seattle's magically going to pull it together. Whenever Russell Wilson's back is up against the wall, it seems like he always performs best. And his back is more than... His back is through the wall right now. What are they? Four and six? Four and seven? Let's check. Three and seven, excuse me. They don't even have four wins. His back is literally through the wall. If there was another wall behind him, it was through that. It's through that one, too. Like, it is do or die for Russell Wilson. And when that happens, he is at his best. He is unbelievable when that happens. I think Seattle wins this game. A couple more things I want to say about these these games overall. I think Odell gets his first touchdown this week against Green Bay. Um, as good as Green Bay's defense has been, I think that game's going to be a shootout, actually. Um, I think Kenny Galladay will also get in the end zone for the first time against the Eagles. And I absolutely love the Patriots for over 200 rushing yards as a team this week. They're going to get out to a lead. They're going to run the ball a ton. They, that's what they do the best. Mac Jones is better off of it. I think they're going to do that. Thank you guys again for listening. Let's have a great Sunday today with your fantasy teams, with any of your picks. God bless you guys.